Citizen Reporter number 376, 23rd of April 2011. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations. Inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. Hello, everyone.、Uh, greetings from central Amsterdam.、Uh, I'm sitting today with Nadia Plesner, and if you've been following me on Twitter, Uh, or perhaps some of the different places on Facebook where I've been、uh, talking or starting to talk about and learning about、um, Nadia's、uh, work and, and the things that are happening to her in the present, then you'll be very interested to hear our conversation today. First of all,、uh, good afternoon, Nadia. <laughs> good afternoon. So、uh, I first heard about you、uh, through friends in common here in, in Amsterdam. And of course, it was immediately about the case. You were involved in a, a court case. Uh, with the company Louis Vuitton,、uh, which is a company I don't think about very often in my life.、Uh, maybe that says something about what I'm doing on a regular basis.、Um, and of course, we'll talk about that case today. And then there's this whole other aspect of your work and what's going on in our world that is often not talked about in interviews I've heard with you or, or read. So I definitely want to do that. I guess we should start with the court case. For all those who don't know it, and there are still many in the world who, when I first mention this, they go, wait, what's going on? And they, they get very interested, but they have not heard about it. Right? So,、uh, you're an artist, and would you identify yourself as an activist as well?、Um, well, I, I usually refer to myself as an artist, but I do use activist methods sometimes if I find it important in the work that I do.、Mm-hmm. So, I, I tend to probably balance it a bit,、uh, and people are very eager to label me. Uh, but I consider myself an artist.、Yeah. And so,、um, this particular piece of art that's gotten、uh, this, this legal attention at this point, it, it concerns、uh, Darfur. It's called Darfurnica.、Uh, first of all, let's,、uh, it's, it's always best to do this with video, but let's try it with audio.、Um, we're talking about the, a canvas the size of,、uh, if anyone's ever seen, Guernica. The, the painting the, the, of, about the Spanish Civil War.、Uh, what else can we say about it? I mean, it contains many icons. Well, it's,、uh, it's basically、uh, a work I made to show the world what is happening in Darfur on the one hand, and then at the same time show some of the Hollywood gossip stories that got insane amount of media attention in the same time period as the genocide in Darfur. So I based it on Picasso's、uh, Guernica, mostly because Guernica has been the art history's biggest symbol of the horrors of war and genocide.、Mm. Uh, it's a very known piece, it also has a very、uh, respected place in art history. So I made a modern version of Guernica. Named it the Fornica, and in this painting, I have made、uh, reference to Guernica in some ways using、uh, some of the symbols from the original painting. But then,、um, my goal was to paint、uh, a modern version that shows how media works today. 
Picasso, he made Guernica based on newspaper images, a black and white, uh, that way of telling a story. And my painting is uh, full color, everything mixed together, atrocities with uh, stupid gossip stories, all yeah. mixed in one, uh, sort of to show how I feel it is to, to take in news today. Um, when the mass media presents us with so many billions of images like that yeah. are bombarded towards us, you become very passive. It doesn't ask anything of you, it doesn't uh, make you reflect it yeah. just feels like this tsunami that leaves you totally passive and, and numb, yes. I think. Yeah. That's what I tried to paint. Yeah, on the, on the canvas there are people and uh, symbols some t in some cases. Uh, the people include Obama, um, the president of Sudan. Yeah. Uh, uh, is old George Bush on there? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and smaller. Who are I the other two guys above George Bush, actually? I made a reference to the, the three monkeys from See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil. Uh, the first one is the Chinese president. Uh, he is in there because China has very big oil interests in Sudan. And every time United Nations, they talk about going in and helping the people in Darfur, China uses their veto right. And they say, no, 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 no. We have business going on. Yeah. Don't mess with it. Yeah. So he's number one. Then I have the Russian president because uh, China has used many Russian weapons. Um, uh, for example, I, I learned in my research that the Sudanese government, they bought Russian bombers, then they painted them white, stenciled them with the UN logo, and then they flew in and bombed villages in Darfur. This particular story made such a big impression on me because I, I just think it is uh, cruel beyond words. Yeah. And I can only imagine what it's like being in a village in Darfur, seeing these white planes coming, thinking that help is on the way, only to be bombed a few moments later. I think a story like that should be uh, breaking news and making headlines. Yeah. But it's not. Most of the people I know have never heard about it, only yeah. through this artwork. So that is one of the pieces I used in, uh, in Darfurnica to show what is happening. So I painted the president in Sudan painting these planes himself. Yeah. He has a little model plane in his hand, and half of it is still in the white with the UN logo, and the other half is the Russian flag yeah. and a Russian military uh, uh, plane. Yeah. Um, there's also some more, for some people, some more familiar icons like Paris Hilton yeah. uh, with her little dog and, and uh, looking her usual Hollywood self. Uh, Britney Spears shaving her head. Yeah. And, um, oh, uh, Victoria Beckham is on there as yeah. well. I used reference to, to some of these Hollywood stories that got uh, a huge amount of media attention. For example, Paris Hilton going to prison a few years back yeah. for, I don't know, parking tickets, whatever it was. That was really breaking news in Europe. Like, oh, Paris Hilton is going to prison. And it got so much attention that you, I just found it ridiculous. Yeah. The, if you look at the two stories next to each other, I most people must be able to see what is more important. Yeah. But in the mass media, it doesn't work like that. No. For my feeling, the, the, the part of, of news that is about entertainment and advertising has become so large now that there's very little room for actual news, <laughs> even yes. in the more serious news channels. I know what to expect from Fox News, but this is also some of the more serious places that you hear about this. Yes. Um, I also painted, for example, the British reality star Jade Goody. She was a Big Brother star who got cancer, and she basically died live with the whole... Uh, uh, mass media watching um, and one death got so much attention because it was a Big Brother store mm -hmm. while 400,000 people can basically vanish into four and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it provokes me a lot. So I painted her in her hospital bed based on one of the photos where she's giving her thumb up to yeah. some of the photographers and uh, behind her I painted a mass grave. 
And so, uh, for those who want the uh, the more uh, in the news story or, or what is slightly in the news around here. Um, Another image that's on there is this figure, which uh, comes from photographs of Darfur, I believe, of the little boy, yeah. uh, who looks, uh, of course, you know, in, in terribly both scared and uh, in terrible health. Yeah. And you uh, pose him with uh, the little chihuahua, as we usually see with uh, Paris Hilton, and a, a very luxurious-looking handbag, yeah. which I guess people in the know would recognize as a, a, a Louis Vuitton bag. I just recognize it as a symbol of luxury. Um, and herein is where this conflict comes from, the, the, the court case going on. Okay. So let's go to that. Um, this was painted in 2010, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but the image itself—that's very strange. As we're sitting here, a little chihuahua walks by. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so go back to 2010 when you first heard from them. Well, actually, the painting is from 2010, but the image itself is a drawing I made in 2008. As a boat goes by with happy people. The drawing is from a painting from 2008. Yeah, in 2008, um, I was actually uh, in bed recovering from a traffic accident. I had to be in bed for four months. And during that period, I had a lot of extra time to read newspapers and to basically think about how I wanted to use my art. In that specific time period, I was reading in a newspaper uh, a place where they had four lines about updates uh, regarding Dafur. And then just on the opposite page, the whole page was dedicated to Paris Hilton going to prison. Mm -hmm. And that experience kick-started everything that I work with today. Uh, it, it provoked me so much that I felt like I had to say something about it. Yeah. I had to do something about it. I wanted to use my uh, uh, artistic ways to somehow support Dafour and make a work that, that works with this and, and hopefully starts a debate about how we prioritize because it just looked so crazy to me. Yeah. And uh, that basically sparked the idea of using this sort of uh, cliché image of a starving African child, mm -hmm. but then pimped to look like Paris Hilton with some of her most uh, known symbols, which is always the gigantic designer bag and these little dogs in a pink outfit. Oh. And then I wanted to see, okay, if you, if you change the existing image of the boy so he looks like her, will he, that get, uh, will he then get more attention? Or what will happen in the way people perceive this image? Yeah. I also find it arrogant that the image of the boy alone is a cliché. I mean, it's 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 real. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? It's it's a real kid. Yeah. And and for some reason now, when people are presented with images like that, they feel like they have the right to just maybe roll their eyes a bit, like yeah, oh, this seen the yeah, seen it, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. been there, done that, whatever. It doesn't matter what uh, country yeah. it's in. I find that also very. We do live in an era where I think if you even talk about the fact that people are starving, if you were to say something like that, it's um, not taken. Seriously, it's become some kind of a yeah, cliche or something. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Because how can... Yeah, you can only name it a cliche when you're fortunate enough to live in a place where you don't have to deal with it, I yeah. think. Yeah. So then uh, my drawing was finished, and instead of just exhibiting it uh, in a gallery space or something like that, I wanted to make it something that people could really um, wear themselves and support. So I made it into a T-shirt. Yeah. And that's where the <laughs> all the problems started. I started this T-shirt campaign. Yeah. called Simple Living in 2008. Uh, actually, 2007, sorry. Because, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, Paris Hilton had a show called The Simple Life, right? Absolutely. I act like I don't know. I know. That <laughs> <laughs> was absolutely inspired by that, yeah. of course. Yeah. And I had this, uh, this image printed on T-shirts and posters, and then I put them for sale on my website and uh, donated all the money to this organization called Divest for Darfur. Hmm. 
So I wanted to start a debate. I wanted to uh, bring financial help and then hopefully also raise awareness about what was going on yeah. and get it more in the media. Then uh, after a few months where I sold uh, maybe 50 t-shirts, something like that, then I received a letter from Louis Vuitton and they asked me to uh, stop the campaign immediately. They felt like this drawing was violating their design rights. Uh, they did not want to be related to the issue in Darfur, so on. And I wrote a letter back stating that this bag is, is used as a status symbol. It has nothing to do with Louis Vuitton uh, as such. Yeah. It is just uh, an icon for luxury in the West. And that I wish to continue my, my campaign to support the four. Yeah. Oh. I think there's actually a street cleaner coming our way. Oh, no, he's gone the other way. Okay. It might be okay, but I'll get it, give it a second. So you sent the letter back uh, uh, saying that it's an icon. Now, let's, let's talk about Louis Vuitton, I mean, if we can. It, besides making handbags, they're, they're a big and luxury company, right? I mean, they're comparable to what in this world? Uh, the Chanel, the sort of the big, these luxury... Uh, they, I think they also produce a lot of clothing. Uh, no, that the, sounds the, right. The owner of Louis Vuitton is the fourth rich, rich, richest man in the world. Yeah. Uh, and, and Louis Vuitton is only one of the brands that he owns. It's basically this gigantic luxury uh, uh, group of brands. Uh, very, very powerful. Yeah. And um, So and it's, it's more than bags. Like you mentioned that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lifestyle type it thing. It is. It's also in, in various uh, surveys and whatever studies, uh, Louis Vuitton comes in on, on number one in each and every one about being the most iconic luxury symbol in the Western world. Do they acknowledge that? Absolutely. That, that would be proud. They're proud of it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's also an accomplishment for sure. Yeah. It, they are number one. Sure. That's also why I used the reference. Of course. Yeah. Um, but so they don't, they don't debate with you when you said you're an icon. They haven't debated that. No, uh, no, not at all. Their argument is, don't <laughs> sell shirts yeah. with our bag on yeah. it. They do not wish to be related to the four. And I believe that before any of all these legal issues started, that people who saw the drawing, they understood that the bag is only a reference to a, symbol, a symbolic meaning of luxury. But people don't think, oh, Louis Vuitton is... Uh, the one who is responsible for what's happening there. Right. And that's what they claim that my drawing is, uh, is saying. Yeah. Um, we're going to keep going with the court case, but here is one of those interesting discussions that, that your, not only your art, but also the stuff you've written, because you, you as you produced Darfurnica, you would blog, if I can call it blogging, yeah. I like to call everything blogging, um, what you added today. And, yeah. and you related it very well, by the way, to things going on in Darfur in the news. Or not in the news, but that should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny how one duck can throw me <laughs> off. And um, one of the things you mentioned, it wasn't about uh, Louis Vuitton at the time, but was how people will ask, you know, what does something have to do with Darfur? Or what does one thing have to do with Darfur or the other? Yeah. And Louis Vuitton has said, at least the lawyer of Louis Vuitton in, in court, I was there yesterday, said, um, you know, we don't want, basically, we don't want people associating Louis Vuitton with Darfur because they two have nothing to do with each other. And that started me thinking on anyone in this world, uh, you know, a student here in Amsterdam, someone working in a pharmacy in the United States, who will say, and they do, it's a shame what's going on wherever in the world, let's say Darfur in this case, um, but I haven't, I, it's, it's not my fault, huh? And we live in that kind of world, and, and yeah, uh, that's one of the issues I see playing out course, here. Now we have, okay, it's a big corporation saying, look, we have nothing to do with Darfur, which we're not saying specifically, but in a way, aren't we all 
involved in this world and so what happens in Darfur does have something to do with any of us. The work is very much also related to responsibility and how to react to once you then learn what is going on then how much should we be busy with it how much should we uh, uh, talk about it and and use it in the news and whatever and I think personally that we have a big responsibility Hmm. of reacting to it. If 400,000 people were uh, killed in Denmark I know for sure the world would rush to the rescue. Yeah. It would be crazy. Yeah. But for some reason, because it's in the Darfur area in Sudan, it is just not important politically, and it can happen without anyone responding. I just found it so strange, because once I realized what was actually happening there, and I started learning about all the terrible, terrible things that are being done to this population, I thought, how is it possible that, for example, in Europe, when we grow up, we learn in ground school about the Holocaust and about genocide, and how that is... Uh, probably the most uh, evil thing humans can do to one another and it should never be allowed to happen that is what we're taught in school with pictures and books and everything but then if you have genocides that are happening now in our time not only in the four but in many places it just doesn't have the same effect if it's not in an area close to us and why is that and where exactly is that boundary like if you ever bring up World War II no one no one uh, would say allies should not have gotten involved and and, and it's always considered well of course you had to do that you had to stop what was going on you had to stop a genocide that that one no one are heroes for standing up at the time and saying something about it but for some reason it is so difficult to get people to stand up now uh, on the on behalf of the people in Darfur and I find that that very strange boundary very interesting to work with Hmm. and so that is part of as you said what you're doing with your art through your art absolutely um, so, here, here we have the case. They they are suing you, and now you're suing them for. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. But they're suing you initially, um, and they want um, you to stop showing Darfur Darfurnica. Um, yes, basically, they want me to stop showing this image of the boy with the bag and the dog in any way at all. Like. They don't want me to show it on a t-shirt. They don't want me to show the drawing on my website. They definitely don't want me to show it in the Fornica. In Mm -hmm. any way I have ever shown this picture or photos of myself wearing the t-shirt, everything has to go. And if I do not agree to do so, I have to pay 5,000 euros per day that I continue this, what they call, activities. Um, And this meter has been counting since January 27th this year because they actually got a court order from the court in The Hague um, agreeing with them. Mm-hmm. And this was an ex parte order, which means that I was not heard. Uh, I had no chance to defend myself. I just received the order. Yeah. And then um, after that, I looked for legal help. Luckily, I got some help from some Dutch attorneys who are very, really great to work with. And now I countersued to try to have this court order lifted yeah. to get rid of the fines and to claim back my, my freedom to show my work. Yeah. And uh, I was at, in court yesterday, but I didn't notice... Have they agreed to st- to stop with the daily? The, the, I mean, have they reduced their their demands at all? I mean, is Absolutely it still five thousand per day? Yeah, oh. I mean, the court order is on the table, okay. and that means that at any given uh, moment they could choose to execute this. Yeah. And uh, towards me, they have made various threats about how they're going to ruin me financially. Yeah. And then towards the media, they say, "No, we're never ever going to do it." But that's not good enough. I want the court order lifted because I don't trust it. Yeah. It's very stressful to live with this uh, huge amount hanging over your head that yeah. could seize all my, my, my accounts and my possessions and my work. Um, so I don't, I don't trust it, and I want the order lifted. Yeah. And h- how do you afford uh, like legal counsel 
uh, in this country. I've never had to go to court. This is your first time as well in yeah. terms of uh, being yeah. directly involved. Um, how have you been able to afford any of this? Well, it took me a while to find some attorneys that were willing to help me. Um, I also found it very uh, funny when uh, attorney, uh, the attorney for Louis Vuitton yesterday said, well, once you're sued, you just call your lawyer. Why did it take so long for you to respond? And I thought, I'm a student. I, yeah. don't, I don't have a lawyer to call like that, like no. just in my back pocket. It took me a time to contact uh, various law firms who work with freedom of speech, autistic freedom, etc., and explaining what was happening and asking them, would you please help me because I don't have any money. Yeah. And this specific company, Kennedy van der Laan, they agreed to start helping me. And then they said, okay, you just start uh, trying to, f to raise funds yeah. and we'll start working. Yeah. And then we'll figure it out later. Yeah. So that's why I also put on my website uh, asking people for donations and, uh, and trying to raise money that way. Yeah. Because, of course, I can't afford uh, a legal battle of that size. But I also find it so important to fight for my right to show the work. Right. That's the thing. I mean, there may be some people listening who, who like what you have to say and who have seen your painting who like what you have to say. But they might say, well, you could, you know, they might want you to give in a little just so that you can keep going. But what you're saying right now is very clearly, and I think a lot of, uh, definitely artists, but not only, would say, uh, no, you have to fight, and that is what you're doing. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's also meant, like, pick your fights, I guess. And this yeah. is really, for me, very important. I believe that they're using me to set an example for other artists to show, look, yeah. don't mess with us, we will quiet you down. Yeah. And at the same time, I hope that this case could also be a signature case the other way around to show, look, there is a world of IP rights now, but it's also important to leave some space open for art. We have yeah. freedom of speech, and in our modern society, products and advertising is such a gigantic part of our lives yeah. that it should be allowed to make reference to that when you make artworks about today. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, like during the court case, there's so many interesting things going on um, behind the words uh, and one of the things was Louis Vuitton side was trying to point out that they know that the whole world for the most part is going to see what's going on and say oh it's big Louis Vuitton uh, coming against poor and and good intentioned uh, uh, artist and that's how they're going to frame it no matter what as a matter of fact the lawyer gave several looks to the back of the room which I guess is the media I don't know I felt <laughs> like I was in trouble um, where he mentioned that he knows that the media is going to frame it this way um, but they don't seem to care uh, I mean uh, this is actually nothing for you to say I'm just telling you what I saw <laughs> yesterday You know, it's almost as if they're, one of their strategies I noticed is we know the media is not with us, at least not the most of it. And they're just going to use this as they will. They, they seem to have a disdain for the media. They mentioned you, one of your lawyer's tweets, yeah. that he's tweeting and getting public sentiment. Yeah. Um, it's very strange. They continue to say that, uh, that they find it so despicable how I manipulated the entire world and I oh. manipulated the media and my attorney as well. And I just think um, they call it aggressive, the way I'm yeah. behaving. I believe that their approach has been aggressive from the start. They did not contact me regarding the exhibition I had in Denmark. I uh, never had a chance to explain to them why did I make this, uh, what is happening, what other works am I showing, and why. Yeah. Not at all. I came back t to Holland after exhibiting my work, and there I found a 60-page uh, lawsuit plus the verdict. Yeah. Everything had been handled. I was never asked. Mm. Then the following day, their attorney called me. He asked me if I received the papers. They wanted to know what was happening with it and w where I was standing. And I told him... Uh, First of all, I have to find my own attorney now. I have to get some help with uh, reading all this legal language and understanding exactly what is happening. Yeah. 
And um, we talked back and forth, and he told me that they were furious with the fact that they found out that now I started selling T-shirts again, I was uh, abusing them again, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And I explained to him, no, I'm not selling T-shirts again, but I am showing this painting of mine. And I asked him, have you even seen it? Yes. I mean, it's a very large painting, and this bag is a very small part. But he told me they considered a Fornica a Louis Vuitton product. They are not allowing me to show it or sell it, and they would fight to the end, and it would get really nasty. Mm-hmm. That's what he said to me. Then he asked me if I would like to meet them, but that didn't sound so tempting after all the threats. Yeah. Um, so I started looking for legal help, and once I found the legal help, then everything was um, between their attorneys. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the... the group of people there that seem to be representing Louis Vuitton looked not pleased yesterday in the courtroom, um, t- to put it mildly. Um, we mentioned earlier who uh, is depicted in the in the painting and, and what companies. Just to be clear, none of these companies have been in touch with you, both no. positive or negative. Nothing whatsoever. I mean, Facebook is on there as well. Yeah. We didn't mention there that. There are also other bags. There is a Hermé bag and a Chanel bag. I mean, no. it specifically put there to show that this is not something that is particularly about Louis Vuitton. It is about this tendency of using objects to uh, communicate status. Yeah. Uh, that is why they're there. Um, I found that, first of all, this verdict was a gross violation of my freedom of speech. And I also found that the threats he made to me uh, was uh, also a big violation of my freedom of speech. And, of course, I'm talking about this. It is my only chance to go public and say, look what is happening. Like, pay attention here, because it is, no matter if they don't want to see it, they are a gigantic company. They can hire an army of lawyers. And I am a student. So that doesn't mean that people uh, necessarily have to side with me, but I feel like I do have my right to talk about it and to post it on my website and definitely use it also as a a starting point for a very important debate about what is allowed or not in art. I think it's crucial. And and in the background, much like many other things that go on in this world and they get into the media, um, your work regarding Darfur, I mean... Back in 2010, you managed to raise enough to send a shipment of medical supplies. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, I mean, how is it going? I mean, this must get in the way of, especially when it comes to sh- sending more uh, it, to Darfur. It takes a lot of attention, and uh, it is, of course, uh, it's stressful. Yeah. It's something that takes up all my time at the moment, because, of course, it also takes a lot of work to prepare for a court case and, um, well, whatever. It takes a lot of time and energy which is too bad because it takes away the energy for what I'm working with. Mm. On the other hand, it does give a lot of attention to the painting, which is great. And Mm. because of all this, the four has now been mentioned a thousand times during the last months, uh, which it probably wouldn't have been without it. That's what I believe. Um, It also brings out my work to more people so that I'm getting um, contacted by various groups and and individual persons who want to support me, also with the medical equipment. So that is really great. Mm. Um, I guess also people see that I'm serious because I'm fighting for this. Then they also want to help me more. Mm. I didn't get to ask you about um, Divest and Darfur. Are, are you still um, in communication with them, or are you going through another... Uh, no, the, the first campaign I made, I chose to donate the, the profits from that campaign to Divest for Darfur because uh, I follow a lot the work of the Save Darfur Coalition. Mm-hmm. It's a group of uh, numerous uh, Darfur organizations that all work together under one name, and that was the uh, specific group that they asked people to support. Mm-hmm. So because they have so many people working on the Dafur issue, I trusted that that would be uh, a nice place to, to put the money. Yeah. Then I... I but I the, gave. their goal, uh, the Divest in Dafur, was what it sounds like, that companies that are 
doing business with the Sudanese government should yeah should take their money out absolutely divest yeah it's it's a way of putting financial pressure uh, to help pressure the government to change their ways basically yeah so after I transferred this money I felt like um, it was this odd feeling that you, you know that you gave the money but it's impossible to see who it helped how it helped and and report anything back to the people that supported me to show if it made any difference at all Then I heard about a project called um, Living Village, where some Danish people, they took, uh, uh, actually they got a donation of an old army hospital packed in a container. Uh, I'm not okay. sure if you call it that. You know, yeah. you have this, yeah. like everything wrapped in one and then it's ready to be... In one shipping container? Yeah. <laughs> and then you put it somewhere and then you basically just flip it out or however yeah. it works and then it has like the basic things. They got uh, such a hospital and then they uh, shipped it to uh, Guinea. And it really, really helps there a lot. Uh -huh. When I heard about that, I thought that would be amazing. Yeah. Because, of course, during my research, I also learned how uh, the need for medical help is, of course, huge. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to work with. And it's very frustrating for the doctors there. So I thought, okay, this is something I could do. So then I started calling around, asking to see are there any more of these hospitals left yes. or whatever. Because, oh. obviously, Denmark is not using them. Yeah. That turned out to be the last one. But then the idea was already there. So then I started uh, calling hospitals, asking them, would you like to support me by giving uh, equipment? Hmm. And they said yes. And then it turns out that in Denmark, of course, because we're such a rich country, numerous things are being thrown away, even when they are perfectly in good shape. For example, I got uh, 38 hospital beds that were two years old. They were being thrown away because now they're getting electrical beds. Oh. And these beds had the hydraulic system where you have to like step on a little thing, then the bed goes up. That okay. is too hard for the nurses or whatever. Then yeah. they throw them away yeah. into the trash. Like yeah. they basically call this metal trash guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, he uh, how do you call it? He just... Uh, yeah, he, he, he breaks it down into... Yeah. yeah, which I think is such a pity because it's, I mean, it's a perfectly nice hospital bed. And yeah. the same way with uh, wheelchairs and, and crutches and baby beds and all these sorts of things. So I just started collecting. And then at the same time, I started co uh, contacting various helping organizations that I had learned uh, work in Darfur and asking them if they would work with me and if they could be the receiver. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to pay anything or, or do anything because there's a, a Danish organization called MS Action Aid. They actually pay for the shipments of uh, things that are being uh, recycled like this. Okay. So uh, it has to be for medical use or education. Mm -hmm. But they're sort of the middle uh, financial group so that is super great yeah it was very difficult to find a receiver very 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 difficult i was told the first hundred times no we don't work like that like with just a single person we don't have a form for somebody like you like we need the help but yeah it was just like there was nothing in their paperwork where i would fit in which i find also so frustrating yeah i thought like look i have the equipment it's needed yeah i basically only need you to sign It's not so difficult, but it was hard. Then eventually, I found a receiver. They said, yes, we would like to work with you, and we actually need exactly the items that you already have. Uh, we have people lying here on the floor. If they could mm. get a hospital bed, that would be super great. And they got it. They're not yet. It. <laughs> <laughs> It's a long story. <laughs> um, then we shipped the first container, and it arrived in Port Sudan. Yeah. Then 10 months followed of battling the customs there. It was... Super difficult. 
This was also after uh, the International Criminal Court. They they made the first oh, yeah. arrest warrant for Al Bashir, the president, and he responded by uh, throwing out 13 aid organizations from Sudan. There was only a few left, and that is why they found it was very difficult to uh, basically go down to the office and uh, say, "Okay, look, now you have to like come on." They yeah. couldn't speed up the process because they they were so afraid to be kicked out. Mm-hmm. And the customs, they just. Every week they changed it. They said, no, we need this document. Then we provided the document. Then they said, no, we need this document now. Now we want money. Now we want this. It was just impossible. Eventually, the container was pulled out, redirected, and the medical equipment was delivered in Uganda. Mm -hmm. Then the day after the container was pulled out, then I finally made contact with a person who is so high up in the system that he is exactly the person who could clear whatever. I'm not allowed to say who he is because uh, he's afraid that my work could harm his work. Mm-hmm. But he's the right person. Yeah. He got it cleared within a day, but then it was already gone. So then I packed a new container, shipped it there, and it will be delivered this week. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. finally, because I finally got to the person high enough on the on the ladder to make it happen. Yeah. So I think that's just amazing. Yeah. And in fact, that tells me something, which is uh, despite... Uh, what's going on regarding court cases and, and legal proceedings. Um, the work in, in Darfur does go forward. I mean, uh, there yeah. is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, this is something that will be actual help there. And the, the organization who paid for the shipment, they told me, like, I had to sort of talk them into paying for a second try because it didn't work through the first time. But they told me, okay, look, if you can make this one uh, end up in Darfur, then we will pay for more shipments. Yeah. So I'm so excited now because it really looks like, okay, now it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that opens up for many more containers. Now mm-hmm. I have the right person on my team. Yeah. So then hopefully it can be... Uh, a future. Yeah, that we can really make something happen there. Yeah. At the same time, um, as we talked about earlier, Darfur is being mentioned a lot in the media now because of the court case. So also uh, refugees from Darfur living various places on the, in the world, the people they were lucky enough to get out, they email me now and say, thank you. Yeah. Like, they appreciate it. Let me ask you something maybe more difficult, because I'm still trying to, to understand or see what's going to happen. Uh, what, do you, what do you think happens now if the, the south of Sudan gets independence? I mean, is, the, is that good news for Darfur? I still can't quite... Um, well, it's definitely it. good news for the south of Sudan. I mean, it's, yeah. it's absolutely amazing, for sure. Um, but, of course, there's always been this tension of the north and the south yeah. with a civil war going way back. And Darfur is sort of caught in the middle. And the, the people who live there, they are, I mean... Uh, you think that no matter what, they're still in a, a terrible state because even the new South Sudan won't... I think um, the independence of, Sudan, of South Sudan is definitely going to help them in the long run. But for now, they need some sort of, they need an intervention. They need somebody to stand up and do something actively because, as I know from the Save the Four Coalition, uh, it's the only place where I get uh, true updates about the four of any media, Um, maybe Huffington Post sometimes, but but mostly that page. They report that there are still villages being bombed in the four right now. The only thing you hear in the Western media is, oh, South Sudan, they got their independence now almost, it's great. This very positive uh, story but not regarding what else is going on there. Hmm. And um, the guy who is receiving my medical equipment, he also told me that they are only allowed to try to keep the people in the poor safe in refugee camps, where some of them have been stuck for eight years now, Mm -hmm. with no chance of getting out. Uh, They live horrible lives there, 
Every day when the women have to go outside the camps to pick up wood to make food, they get raped by militia men. Uh, and, it, I mean, it's not a life for them. They have been stuck there for eight years. There is no uh, hope of getting back to their normal lives uh, in freedom. And, I mean, that's just not acceptable. Yeah. It's not. I, I, I've heard that the Uni um, United States have said, well, we don't want to go in there because we don't want to make the situation worse. And I just think, how can you make it worse when it's already genocide? No. What could possibly be worse than that? No. I mean, these people are being uh, uh, slaughtered, basically. Kids, women, everything. Their cattle is being taken away from them. Their villages are being burned down. And it's not like uh, they have a lot to begin with. No. I just find it uh, really frustrating. No. Yeah, and that, and that is one of the things I, I was excited, uh, as odd as that sounds, excited to talk about genocide. <laughs> it's not quite right. Um, but I was eager to talk to you about it because uh, so often I've seen yeah, the conversation is more about, which is an important conversation, uh, art and the right to be critical or, or, or use whatever you want to, well, whatever you want to use for, um, especially for, for provoking thought and provoking um, even questions within ourselves. Uh, that old question that we started with that will carry on. What do I have to do with that? Yeah. Uh, There are so many people that ask me, yeah. now that you uh, chose to make a modern Guernica, why didn't you make it about something that relates to us? Us. Which I think is mm -hmm. so weird. Yeah. What yeah. is this us? Is it Europe? Is yeah. it the West? Why could it not be the four? It's also people. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very odd to me. At one point in the court ca case yesterday, the Vuitton lawyer said he was uh, reminding, I guess, the people in the room or the judge that... Louis Vuitton is not just a name and a big company, but it's people who go to work, and so it's their well-being, and, and we know this argument. It's actually something that interests me a lot. I often get upset at government or yeah. company, and then one day I meet somebody who works for them, and you suddenly realize, oh, it's made up of people. Yeah. And, and it's funny, because as I sat there, I was thinking, you know, there are probably people that work for Louis Vuitton that actually lower in the decision making but still who actually probably are quite concerned about Darfur in their own way yeah. but can, you know yeah. do not have a, a voice here or are not allowed to express it um, but you, yeah you don't think about that in these moments because yeah but I also found it um, very important that from the beginning from 2008 till now whatever uh, that we disagree on uh, just about everything I always made clear that my work is not trying to blame Louis Vuitton or to say oh it's their responsibility or it's evil evil them not at all I used the back as a reference to the media yeah. and the critique is basically on the media and of course also then the passive people <laughs> yeah. because we need the people yeah and, and we've made these things icons we've made these people icons uh, you pointed out a survey in, in one of your posts as you were painting about how most of the public Uh, says it's the it's the media's fault or blames the media for having so much showbiz news. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at that. I mean, I've seen things like that before. Uh, but we do have a role, don't we? I mean, we we watch the news. We although we'll be critical about it in a survey, we accept it. Yeah. Showbiz news. These are the icons, the bags, the shoes, the whatever that are important. Yeah. And we want to hear about them. We want to see them on everyone. And so on. I mean, it's it's also super. I think it's a super interesting discussion, and I don't have any, uh, yeah. I don't have any uh, truths about it. Mm. But I do find that very um, 
I, I think it's, it's great that my work can inspire or really spark this debate a lot because, of course, it is super interesting. Is it the media's fault or is it the receiver's fault? I also get emails from journalists who say to me, yeah, you blame us, but you are the, the receiver and you only want stories about this. When we post mm -hmm. a story about Tiger Woods cheating, we have 500,000 hits. Then we post an update about um, whatever yeah. <laughs> happening and then nobody wants to read it. Right. So what are we supposed to do? Yeah. So that's, of course, a good point. But it's, it's definitely something that is very important to talk about and yep. to think about also because if you don't question it and you just sit in your sofa and you take it in i think that is very dangerous yep. all right i think that's the best note to to end on for today um the, a, a website that i want to make sure everybody uh goes to and, and knows about is nadiaplesner.com and i'll put that in my show notes along with can, can i put the image of uh, darfurnica on of my course. yeah i'll <laughs> you know whatever risks i take i take um, and I know that people may want to also start writing about this topic, so they, they, they can also take the image that's on your website. Absolutely, uh, yeah. absolutely. I made okay. this image for people to see it, so that's why I also kept it on my website in, during the entire case, and I'm fighting for the right to show it. Yeah. By the way, uh, a lot of people listening, especially from the hacker community, know names like Lawrence Lessig and so on. You've had quite a, a number of people commenting on, on what's going on in your case from the world of Creative Commons, of, of yeah. uh, copyright or copyleft and so on. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's also great to have this uh, this support. I personally think the greatest support I got is from uh, different uh, artists and cartoonists who chose to do it visually. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is very strong because then we stand as a group yeah. and show that this, I mean, it's crucial for the democracy to have this free uh, artistic uh, speech where you can, you, you can draw yeah. uh, images and references to prove your point. I think that is very important. Uh, but I have to say, I'm also receiving hate mail from some people. I mean, when things get attention, you get both sides. Yeah. So that's yeah. how it is. <laughs> okay. Well, Nadia, it's, a, it's been a pleasure uh, to meet you and also to get to do this interview. And I look forward to when we speak again and, and uh, you have good news, and, and not, o not just for yourself, but also uh, some good news for, for what's happening in Darfur for helping people in, yeah. in that region. If I could just add one final story, I would like to say that uh, two years ago I had the pleasure of meeting uh, 10 refugees from Dufour who are now living in Paris and I made this um, um, art event with them in a gallery I made this gigantic bag sculpture and we painted it together so they painted it with me and they totally understood this sort of um, um, way of using humor and art uh, to sort of brand Dufour like a product mm -hmm. and they totally went with it and they asked me can we write on the bag about our experiences there it was super great Huh. And then, um, because we made this project, the media came because it was a bag. And they, oh, it's a bag. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they wrote about it. And these uh, women, they finally had a chance to tell their stories, which was great. Then when the whole thing was over, one of them said to me, when she was still in Dufour and they were living in fear, she saw people coming there from the outside with cameras. And she told me that then they said to each other, once these pictures come out there, then they will come and help us. And then she asked me, why didn't you come? Mm. and because she said that I just felt super guilty on behalf of I don't know the whole world and I decided that day that I would do whatever it takes to keep on talking about Afour for as long as it's needed and I can only encourage other people to do as well okay thank you very much Larry Tosner